and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following sermon is by Dr. Danny Campbell, senior pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Sunday morning service. To view the entirety of our service, please visit our Facebook page at The Tabernacle Family or our YouTube channel at The Tabernacle Today. Additional information about The Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Dr. Danny for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Amen. Thank you so much for, for that this morning. Tabernacle, how we doing? Hey. Hey, good. Man, it is, it is incredibly good to be back with y'all. Man, it's, it's always one of the greatest compliments in, uh, in life to um, uh, have somebody invite you back again to, to spend time with you. Um, so, uh, so certainly glad to be a part of that. And, um, and man, glad it's friend day. So if, if somebody invited you to, um, to come take part of this, this worship service this morning, man, we're, we're so incredibly grateful that you're here. Um, you know, for those of you that, that haven't met me yet, for those of you, maybe this is your, this is your first time here at church. Um, let me go ahead and get the armless elephant out of the middle of the room real quick. Um, you know, I shared my story when I was with you guys last time, but uh, I was born without arms. Um, just plain and simple, nothing crazy. Everybody assumes it's crazy. Um, like, no lie, I popped into a, to a gas station coming here this morning. I wanted something to drink real quick. My mouth was dry. And so, you know, I go, I get my drink. I've got my, I've got my Gatorade under my chin and I'm, I'm walking up to pay. And as I'm walking up, like, I didn't even know there was another human being in this gas station. But this man comes up and hugs me um, while I'm trying to get my Gatorade. I'm like, hi, um, <laughs> nice to meet you. And he was like, man, let me tell you what. He's like, I looked across the gas station. I thought, it's Jace Robertson from Duck Dynasty. And, uh, and he, he said, and then I got real sad because I thought Jace lost his arms. And, uh, and, and he was like, and then I realized it wasn't Jace. And I was happy that he didn't lose his arms, but I'm sorry that you did. And I'm like, bro, this is getting really weird. Um, and uh, and he just hugged me. He's like, man, I hope you have a nice day. And, you know, he just walked out. I was like, oh, all right. All right. Great to meet you. Um, but, uh, but so for, for all those uh, interesting interactions, man, I'm, I'm just so incredibly grateful that, man, God has given me this life. God has given me. I think a story that, that does at times jump out to people. And as I shared with you guys uh, the last time I was here, just a few years ago, man, for us to realize that God has formed and fashioned each and every one of us, not only with gifts and talents and abilities, but, but by God's grace, we have a story that we can tell. We have a story that we can share. It might not be, you know, rando people in the gas station thinking you're armless Jace Robertson. Like that, that might not be a part of your story. But God has given you a story to leverage for his glory and for the encouragement of the people that, that God has put around you. And some of you in here, like this morning, you're like, man, I don't have a story. I just have a, a story of mistakes and failures and frustration. Well, the good news is this, is Jesus is bigger than all of those. Amen. Jesus is bigger than your mistakes. Jesus is bigger than your frustrations, your failures, your hurts, your insecurities. And so what I want us to see this morning is like, we, y'all, we live in a world that's in desperate need of encouragement. We live in a world that's in desperate need of hope. And the solution very simply is you. 
Like you are God's plan A to carry the hope of the gospel into the world. And so what I want us to see, I want us to see a challenge from God's word for us to be people that seek to, to change this world, that seek to encourage other people, that seek to, to change the lives of the people that we consider most important. So if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to read verses 17 through 35. And as we're about to read, just to give a little background for, for the text that we're about to read, this is, um, you know, Acts is, is just the, it's, it's the recording of the Acts of, of the early church. And here in the, in the latter part of Acts, it mostly follows the life of Paul, the life and ministry of Paul. And so here Paul is getting later on to his ministry, and Paul is starting to realize that his time is short. And as we're about to see here, the, the Holy Spirit is impressed upon Paul's heart that um, Paul is about to be imprisoned. Paul is about to be persecuted. Paul realizes that his time to encourage the local church is getting very short. And so what he does is as he's passing through town, he calls together the elders of the Ephesian church, a church that he had spent a long time with. And Paul wants to give, him, give them sort of his, his last charge, his last encouragement. And as we see with Paul through all of his letters in the New Testament, all of the things that Paul finishes with is kind of like his main point. He wants to get across the things that matter most. And so here in Acts 20, Paul is getting across to the leaders of the Ephesian church, what matters most. And so read with me Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read a longer section, verses 17 uh, through 35. And the word of the Lord says this, Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to both Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay attention to you yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock, and from your, among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples after them. And therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did, not see, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God, to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. Coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak 
And remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me pray for us very quickly. God, I just pray in these few moments as we look at your word, Father, may we be challenged both by your grace and by your call that you have set on our life. Father, this morning, may we be people who go. May we be people who love. May we be people who serve all for your glory and purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So four things I just want to leave us with as we look at this text this morning. And the first thing that I want us to see from from this text is this, is that God has called you and I to serve, plain and simple. God has called you and I to serve. That, that, is, uh, that is our platform by which we come around people, by which we proclaim the gospel. It's like see, you see here in, in Paul's initial challenge, when, when Paul is, is doubling down and trying to encourage the Ephesian church right here, he's not appealing to how awesome he is. Paul isn't appealing to like his own authority. Paul isn't appealing to the fact that here's a guy that, that in a lot of ways is, is sort of a big deal in the church. Like as Paul talks to the Ephesian elders, everybody knows who, who, who Paul is. Everybody knows that, that he has planted all these churches, that God has done all of these amazing things in and through Paul's ministry. Paul doesn't appeal to that to get them to listen. Paul says, listen, you know for those three years that I spent with you how I just spent time serving you in humility. As he goes on to say toward the end of what we read in Acts chapter 20, Paul says, even when I was with you, I didn't ask for money. I worked hard with my own hands so I could provide for myself, so I could provide with the other missionaries that were with me. So all that you had to focus on was just growing as a church. Paul, Paul is really hammering home. He says, listen, if you're going to know anything about me, it's not that I'm awesome. It's not that I'm a great preacher. It's not that, that I've done all of these things for the kingdom. It's just simply I'm a servant of the Lord. And that's why over and over you see in the letters that Paul writes, whether it's to the, to the Philippian church, whether it's to the Ephesian church, whether it's to the church in Rome, over and over and over, Paul refers to himself not as an apostle, not as a great preacher, not as a missionary, not as a church planner. Paul always refers to himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what de- defined Paul. I'm going to be somebody who serves. I'm going to be somebody that doesn't make this life about me, but I make this life about the Lord, and I make this life about others coming to know Him. And so for us, we see the main challenge of just what it is to follow Christ. It's to serve as Christ served. It's to serve as as Paul is modeling here for us to serve the world that they may know the hope that we have. Now, I also see that, that we have this challenge for us to serve, for us to make this life about others. But it's like, how do we, how, how do we, how do we keep going? Like we're, we're all, I, w- I would say most of us in this room are probably wrung out. Like, you know, to realize, you know, Danny was saying, it's crazy to think it was just two years ago that I was with you guys. It's like two and a half years if, we, if we're looking at the calendar. Now, COVID counts as like, I don't know, four and a half years, you know, like it, uh, it seems like a really, really long time. It's, uh, you know, that, that period, I think for a lot of us, just, it beat us up. It wore us out. It wrung us out. Like for a lot of us, we're just in a place where it's like, I'm just trying to get my own two feet under me. How can I try to love other people? Like people are jerks. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to love them. Like this just takes more and more for my life. Like, how do I keep moving forward? How do I keep serving? How do I try to make this life about me when I'm already worn out? 
And Paul gives us this just very much so a picture-perfect clue of how we can go forward even when we're wrung out. And it's to remind ourselves of the grace of God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. It's by the grace of God that I am who I am. And no, it's not me, but he was like, he, he goes on to say, I worked harder than any of them, that them being Paul saying, I worked harder than any other apostle, church planner, preacher, and he goes on to say, but it wasn't me, it was even the grace of God that was in me. Paul's response to grace was to go and serve, go and preach, go and love, but the only way Paul is responding is Paul is preaching the grace of God to himself day in and day out. And so church, do you do that to yourself? Do you preach the grace of God that is present in your life day in and day out? Not only the grace of God that's seen in how He's made you, that God is very kindly, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, He's fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us in this room. God has also rescued and redeemed you. He saved you by grace, Ephesians chapter 2. It's by grace you've been saved and not of works so that none of us can boast. But as he goes on to say in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, but it's for us to go and to walk in the works that he has already set in front of us. Everything about our life as a Christian is soaked and saturated in grace. But the good news for us is this is not only is God kind and gracious in how he made us and how he saved us, but God is also kind enough to walk us through all the stuff that we have to face in life. And God is also kind enough and gracious enough to know who we are, to know what we love, and God at times very much so kindly provides us the things that we need. I mean, for me, man, I'm coming through a season that's just been incredibly busy, just just in ministry things. I mean, out out of about 60 days, I had been gone 50 of those 60 before this month started. And so it was just run, run, run. And at the beginning of this month, I finally got an opportunity to get away for a few days with my family. We went on vacation. I have a, I have a wife of 16 years. I have a 10-year-old little boy, 6-year-old little girl. And so it was just good to, man, for a week to just be a husband and a daddy, not have to be a preacher, a speaker, um, a a Jace Robertson lookalike. You know, it was nice. It was nice to not have to be any of that, but just spend time with my kids. It, it was just, man, it, it, it was a sweet time. It was God's grace to me. And then it was also neat to watch God's grace toward my family, especially like God's grace toward my little boy, um, our little 10-year-old. So it's like we went down to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and, um, and so my little boy, to, to, to summarize him in, in very short, he's, he's Dr. Doolittle, like a thousand percent. My boy loves animals, and, and bizarrely enough, animals love him. Um, I've gone in the backyard, and there's a bunny rabbit in his lap. We don't have a bunny rabbit, you know? Like, he has just, like, beckoned this rabbit out of the woods, and, and the rabbit will, like, cuddle him. Um, I've seen him in the backyard petting doe, um, like female deer, just like they're, they're homies. I mean, it's just like, it's weird, man. Like, he, him, and, him and animals have this thing. And it was crazy. On this vacation, like, literally, first day down there, um, as soon as we got to Hilton Head, we, we went out to lunch. Um, it was this place on the water called Skull Creek Boathouse down there in Hilton Head. And so we went, we ate. And they have this dock that's, like, right there beside the restaurant. And so as we finished, he wanted to go see what critters he could see, you know, down by the water. And so my wife and our little girl were like, yeah, y'all go sweat. We're going to the gift shop. And so, you know, they went to the gift shop. We walked down to the dock, and it couldn't have been two minutes as we're standing there out on the dock. This eight-foot black tip shark 
just swims up to the surface, just kind of like hangs out around us. And now listen, I'm already missing two limbs. Your boy's really nervous about, about little Mr. Shark, you know, swimming around as I'm like backing away. And my son's like leaning forward. I'm like, bro, you better come here. Like, no, let's, let's, let's not get too sketchy with this. But it's just like, he's geeking out. He's so excited. I'm like, man, I'm a 38 year old man. I've never seen a shark this close before. That, that was pretty cool. But it was like, honestly, the whole week was like that. Like we, we would go down to the beach every day and the only thing my son would take to the beach was like this tiny little dip net. And, um, and so he would take the net, he would go down to the water and he'd just scoop stuff like the whole time. And, and like in our few days there at the beach, he had scooped up like stingrays. Um, he had scooped up a squid. Uh, he scooped up two flying fish. I'd never seen a flying fish before. He grabbed an eel. Um, I mean, it was just like, it was bizarre. Just all, all these creatures that he's just like snatching out of the ocean. And, um, and so to finish the week, we go back to that same restaurant that we had started the week off because we were like, I mean, it worked out pretty nice. Um, and so we ate our lunch. And so this time the whole family wanted to go down to the water because they didn't want to miss the shark or the unicorn or whatever crazy uh, was, was going to come out. And so we go down to the dock and no lie, lo and behold, this big old manatee just swims right up to the water, rolls over on his belly. And so my 10 year old's just petting the manatee like, you know, they've been friends for life. And I'm sitting here going, dude, this is weird. Like this is not, this is not people's normal vacation, but it was just like for my 10 year old man, he was over the moon. And, uh, and so we, we finished hanging out with this manatee and, um, and we get in the car, we start driving home. And we were all pretty tired and worn out. And so it was like 20 minutes of silence driving up the interstate. And from the back seat, like out of nowhere, nobody had been talking about anything. My little boy goes, man, only God could do so many of these little animal opportunities, these little animal encounters that I had all week. He's like, God really does love me. And man, to see a 10-year-old connect the dots that even like the small things in life, I think the things that a lot of us might look at as meaningless, as, as little, as insignificant, those are the times where I think God gives us a little wink and a nudge. And he's telling each and every one of us, I do love you. Like I do know what you love. I do know what you want. And I very graciously and kindly provide you those things, even in the midst of your hurt, even in the midst of your darkness, I'm still with you and I still love you. Preach those little graces to yourself because that's what keeps us going. And the second thing that I want us to see is this, is just as much as God has called us to serve, God has called us to go and tell. Like for us in light of grace, the only thing that we can do is to go and it's to tell. You see Paul saying here in, in, in verses uh, 20, 20 through 22, he says, listen, as I came with you, I didn't shrink away from declaring anything to you that was profitable. He goes on to say in verse 21, I'm testifying to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he even says in verse 22, now I know that the Holy Spirit is calling me to go into Jerusalem and take the gospel to them as well. So here's Paul in light of this grace, in light of just this amazing work that God had wrought in Paul's life. But what Paul says, listen, the only thing that I can do in response is to go and tell. The only thing that I can do, and, and you see in some of your scriptures there in, in verse 22, um, you know, the ESV, it'll say that he was constrained by the Spirit. Some of your translations might say that the Holy Spirit is compelling Paul to go and to take the gospel to Jerusalem. 
And here you see like Paul being very attentive to just what the Holy Spirit is asking him to do and the opportunity that the Holy Spirit is setting in front of him to go and to not make this life about him, but to make this life about the call that God has sat on him. And so my question to us this morning is, what is the Holy Spirit constraining you? What is the Holy Spirit compelling you to do with that grace that we just talked about? Because for us as the church, we can't, we can't afford to be quiet about the greatest news the world has ever known. Like when you literally translate gospel, it means good news. And if it's good, why are we silent? If it's good, why are we sheepish and, and, and selfish about it? Like for us as the church, if we're going to take good news, it's going to be to share good news, to tell good news. And now I know for a lot of us, that's, that's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult for me. Y'all, I'm an introvert. I don't like people um, at, a, at all. And God called me into ministry 22 years ago, and I'm going, Lord, did come on, you know, like, I don't want to do this. I'm not, I'm not built for this. And, and you know, I, I have those awkward gas station interactions or no, like we're, we're coming off of that, um, our, our vacation a few weeks ago. And, and we got back into Raleigh where we're living now. We got, we got back into town pretty late and I don't want my wife to have to cook, you know, right as we get home. So I was like, all right, we'll pop into McDonald's. I'll get some food and, you know, we'll, we'll go eat at the house. And so the drive-thru was wrapped around McDonald's. So I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just go in and order. And so I go in, I order at the counter, and, and I'm standing there. And now listen, especially after seeing a shark and a manatee at this crazy little restaurant in Hilton Head, South Carolina, I was like, well, I got to buy a t-shirt. Like, you know, I got to rep the brand, you know. And, um, and so I bought uh, a t-shirt at this place called Skull Creek Boathouse, and I'm wearing it as I'm standing there in, in McDonald's. And, uh, and there's this lady, she comes in, she orders, she's kind of waiting beside me while we're, you know, um, waiting to get my food. And she points toward what I think is my chest. And she goes, it's amazing, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, man, I got some of their shrimp and grits while I'm there. I was like, it's so delicious. And, uh, and she goes, no, no, the, the arms. And I was like, huh. We're not talking about food, are we, lady? And uh, she's like, no. And I was like, huh. And, and now I'm trying to figure out how very awkwardly like, I can shift this conversation from shrimp and grits to like me being disabled. Uh, you know, I'm like, how do, I, how do I redeem this conversation? I'm like, yeah, man. God knew what he was doing. I mean, it was so clunky. And it's like, it literally, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, ah, that, was, that wasn't the best. And, um, and so we kind of sit there in awkward silence for a second. And then I look at her and I'm like, man, God in making me this way was pretty cool. But God in how he saved me, that's so much better. And so I go on to share the gospel with this lady. And now, come to find out, she was on Team Jesus. You know, she, uh, uh, she had been a missionary to Turkey for 10 years. And so we got to just talk ministry, talk about the Lord, pray for each other. And then, you know, our burgers and fries show up and we go our separate ways. But it was just in, this, in the middle of this McDonald's in Wake Forest, North Carolina, the Holy Spirit just laid an opportunity in my lap to share the gospel. Now I almost blew it because I thought she was talking about seafood, you know, and, I, and I'm glad the Lord allowed me to redeem that opportunity. But it's like, how many times for us does the Lord lay in our laps just opportunities to proclaim his grace and his gospel and his story in the middle of your life? Sometimes it's conversations with people that we share our home with. Sometimes it's, it's, it's sharing gospel hope with a coworker, a community member, or somebody that our kids play ball together with. 
Over and over, the Holy Spirit is compelling us to go. But how many times do we hang back? Do, how many times do we allow excuses to dominate what God is calling us to and not just depending on His power and His call and His work? Realize that His grace is bigger than our excuses. His grace is bigger than our insufficiencies. God's calling you to go even as things are hard. And that's the third thing I want us to see this morning is this, is that suffering for serving the Savior is a guarantee. Suffering for serving our Savior is a guarantee. You see the thread of suffering all through the text that we just read. Like in the very beginning, Paul says, listen, you know how I suffered at the hands of the Jews and the plots that they were trying to pull off. And he says, listen, I know even as God is calling me to Jerusalem, that suffering and imprisonment awaits me. And then he even goes on to describe for the Ephesian elders. He says, listen, hard times are coming for you. Wolves are going to raise up from among your midst and try to divide the church and tear you apart. Hard times are coming. And listen, church, for us, I I think, yes, we have to be faithful to count the grace of God in our lives, but we also, as disciples, we have to be faithful to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. And we don't always do that. We don't always realize that being different, being light in the midst of darkness elicits opposition towards us. But it does. I mean, if you've, for, for any of you that are on any sort of social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or anything in between, if you hold to any sort of Christian worldview and put it out there for the internet to be critical of, doesn't always go well. You know, it's not exactly received with sunshine and rainbows. You know, that's, that's the world we live in. It's very much so opposed to the, to, to the truth that we hold to and to the gospel that we proclaim. Following Jesus, it might cost us, quote unquote, our good name. It might cost us platform. It might cost us in, just in terms of people's opinions of us. But when I look at the gain that I have in Christ, is it worth the the small afflictions that I have to suffer in this world. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I count all things as loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Church, see the loss. Lament the hurt that we have to face in this life. But then realize Jesus is bigger than it all. Jesus is better than anything that you have to suffer. Jesus is better than the opinions of man. Jesus is better than social media prowess. Jesus simply is better. Amen. No, if they crucified Christ for the gospel that he proclaimed, how can we expect anything less? Prepare our hearts to suffer, but to know that His grace is present even in the midst of that. Fourth thing I want us to see is this, and this is what I want to leave us with, is that we work because Jesus has already won. We work because Jesus has already won. You know, as Paul finishes just his warning to the church that, listen, hard times are coming, wolves are on the prowl, frustration is coming. He says, but listen, I'm not calling you to do better, try harder, grind through it. The one admonition that Paul gives in verse 32 is he just simply says that that I'm going to give you over. I'm going to commend you to God. Into his word, which is able to build you up and sustain you. 
And so if the Apostle Paul looks at his church and goes, I'm just going to give you over to the one who has already rescued and redeemed you and given you your victory in the first place, put your heart and put your life in that place. Don't depend on your circumstances. Don't depend on sunshine and rainbows. Just depend on the finished victory of the work of Christ because that's the best news for us. It's like our hope isn't dependent on us. Our hope isn't dependent on our goodness or on the sweat of our brow. Like when you look at at the hope of just Romans chapter 8, you take Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 all the way to the end of the chapter, you see the hope that we have in Christ is all built upon Him. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore there is no condemnation for those of us who who are in Christ Jesus. As, As he goes on to say, If He who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He will give you life. As he goes on to say in Romans 8, 14, That for in Christ we have been given a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, so we don't fall back into slavery again. That even by the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we don't have to be fearful, we don't have to be people where it's like frustration and insecurity dominate our landscape, but we've been given a family by which the Holy Spirit rallies around us and encourages us. As it goes on to say later on in in, uh, Romans 8, that for those whom He foreknew, He predestined. For those whom He called, He justified. Those whom He justified, He glorified. And then as it goes on to say in this great big picture of the love of God that, that, that we have in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors for those of us who are in Christ Jesus and that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God because of what Christ has done. Church, for us, our best news is the victory that Christ has already won us. Jesus on the cross and Jesus resurrected disarmed both sin and death. What do you and I have to fear in this life? Nothing. And that's why the commendation here in verse 32 in the end of the section that that we just read, our great hope is Christ. Our great hope, it's not in this life. Our great hope is in the reality that the best is yet to come. Church, live in that space. Know that that this doesn't define you, but Jesus does. This is not your greatest, Jesus is. And we wait for that day where we see Jesus face to face and we simply hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. And so my very simple challenge to you this morning is in light of this grace and in light of this call, what do you do with it? What do you do with a gracious and kind Savior who made you, who saved you, who gifted you, and who is calling you? What do you do with that in light of a world that is in desperate need of the gospel hope that we just read about this morning? Let me pray for us. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about the Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today.